So, if you grab your bulletin, I'm going to be teaching out of the New Living Translation. I've uh, been reading that with my kids and enjoying it. We're going to go through Psalm 112. We're taking a break from Matthew. Uh, we'll be picking up next week. I think it's in 36. Uh, we'll be finishing chapter 5. Uh, one of my best friends will be joining us next week. Andrew Morasso will be in town from California and leading us in worship. Uh, should be a good time. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to share with you guys this morning from Psalm 112 together. And really, we're going to be talking, um, as I read this psalm, it always takes me to thinking of the next generation. But really, this is wisdom from God on how to really transform the next generation. Um, so today, in light of Father's Day, we're going to be speaking uh, to you dads, but really to all of us. Um, I know we've done a lot more Mother Day messages through the years. Normally we skip you guys, but this morning um, I had this psalm marked almost a year ago. I'm just like, I got to do this sometime during Dad's Day. Um, so, you dads, welcome. Happy Father's Day. Um, and the thing I'm really praying is that what you hear this morning is not going to be a list of things to improve on, but that you guys are really going to find encouragement on what you're doing right. And we know that statistically speaking, um, how important it is to have a father in your life. So I pray that you will hear not what you aren't, but remind you of what you are. So dads, I pray that you'll be affirmed because we know it's better uh, when we're affirmed. Uh, because I think as men, we like rising to challenges. Would you guys agree? Yeah. So the first uh, thing I want to do before we jump into study this morning is there was a, uh, yeah, it's Father's Day. I want to use the word cute, but there's a, a neat Cheerios commercial that I found on Vimeo, um, and it ties in with Dad. So if we could play that right now, I think you guys will like this. We need volume. Oh. You awake? Yeah, of course I'm awake. Is that a new mask? Oh, yeah. I love it. It's really creepy. I know, right? Yeah, good stuff. Thanks. Hey, let me introduce myself. My name is, and proud of it, and all dads should be. Why? You know why. Kids think we're awesome. We get our hands messy. We tell hilarious jokes. Hey, Nolan, we gotta get up, buddy. We never say no to dress up. We build the best forts. We do work, work, and we do homework. We lead by example, we blow their minds. Can't believe he's his father. I know, that is called a plot twist. Being awesome isn't about breaking rules, it's about making them. Hot stuff coming through. Wife and the coffee. And breakfast is for breakfast. Hey, Nolan, give me a look here. Suggestion, that's a boy, that's a man. But it's also for lunch, dinner, and midnight snacks. Scrape knees aren't boo-boos, they are badges of bravery on the playground. Hey, Victoria, that profile pic, awesome. When you're a dad, hugs can be bear hugs, but they can also be high fives, fist bumps, and next level handshakes. Kids, they're our best friends. They're our greatest fans. Buddy, you've been gaining muscle mass, nice. And they look to us like the same way we look at superheroes, up, because we're taller. Now, dadhood isn't always easy. When a rule is broken, we're the enforcement. Hey, buddy, it's garbage day. But when a heart is broken, we're the reinforcement. And we wouldn't have it any other way. Be 
because being a dad is awesome. Just like new peanut butter Cheerios are awesome. That's why it's the official cereal of dadhood. And this, this my friends, This is how to dad. So I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Cheerios are gluten-free, and I really like peanut butter, so like this video is just right on. So, <laughs> all right, let's talk about transforming an entire generation this morning. Psalm 112, something I want to point out before we jump into the psalm this morning is that it's an alphabetic acrostic poem, and we come across those in some of the psalms. So after the intro, I want you to note that there's this praise that breaks forth. So each line begins with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet. So the psalms are broken up into different types of psalms. You have the wisdom psalms that you'll catch, um, and they're meant uh, to pass along wise sayings. So we're going to go through Psalm 112. I'm going to read this once through. And again, this is from the New Living Translation this morning. Um, you can follow along. I printed it in the bulletins there for you. It says, Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy, and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered and do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them and they're confident. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and they give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away, their hopes thwarted. So you guys notice that the psalm starts off, praise the Lord, right? So start by praising God, Yahweh. So how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commandments? Do you guys ever see people when it's just like, man, your life is tripping out, it's hard, you're in a dark spot, a hard place. And you're just like, man, if you would just do it God's way, you would find joy. You would look, you'd literally find what you are wanting, what you are looking for. So praise the Lord. Or the New King James puts it as blessed be the man. It really begins with a beatitude, a blessing that is also usually a promise. So the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of him, Rather, it is an understanding of how awesome he is, his power, his strength, in giving more weight to God than to the influence of the world that is around us. So if we fear the Lord, then we won't fear anything else. Correct? 
That's what I love in this psalm. So if we fear the Lord, we won't fear anything else. If you guys look at this psalm, look at verse 2, you won't have fear about your family, right? Verse 3, about finances. Verse 4, or about the dark things in life. Verse 5, about your business decisions. Verse 7, or about any bad news. And then it goes on in verse 9 that you won't have to fear being generous in your giving. And then verse 10, you won't even have to fear your enemies. I think that's pretty cool. Is it good to fear the Lord? Are you guys catching the wisdom God's laying down for you and I this morning? I hope so. So while there are three great qualities that come up here then that we want our children to have. How many of you guys want your kids to be blessed by God? That is my prayer more than anything. I love to bless my kids, but I know I'm only human. (laughs) There's only so much I can give. I get tapped. My resources are limited, but I know how good my Heavenly Father is. I've tasted and seen, and I pray those things for my kids more than I've ever had because I know my God is big, 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 and He is so good. So, um, but I want you guys also to catch... Words like darkness, not be overcome by evil, bad news, foes, the wicked. Did you guys catch those things? God's being real here. It's not all these lofty, high, hey, we're in the clouds having parties all the time as believers. No, God's laying out truth for us here this morning. These realities are a part of our lives, whether we like it or not. And as a reality of life for even the best of believers life still can be pretty harsh. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Anyways, may I encourage you guys, though, as we consider this, that you allow your children, your grandchildren, I want you to catch this, allow them to fail. Oh, really? Pastor, we don't do that. No, allow your children to fail. You see, this is really, it's countercultural, isn't it? We don't want that for our kids. See, allowing children to fail, forget it. Our culture is taught um, really that we need the best for our kids. And that's what we've grabbed a hold of. That's our thinking. We overprotect our children from failure, whether it's in sports, in life, whatever. There must be balance. There's got to be balance. There's some balance between us and our generation. Um, I remember as a kid, okay, my dad had pickup trucks. It was fun to sit on the tailgate and drive around. That was cool. I had fun. Now we need to put on shin guards and elbow pads and helmets for our kids to go outside and grab the mail for us. I mean, (laughs) there are like these extremes out there today. So some young adults uh, we're finding don't even want to drive. I don't want to get my driver's license. It's just safer if mom and dad just keep doing it. And mom and dads are okay with doing it. Or I've even had some young people, I don't want to apply for that job. I don't know if I could take, you know, the rejection if I don't get accepted in doing that um, or not even getting a phone call. Um, Conan O'Brien, really, Pastor, you're going to quote him? Yeah, real quick. I love what he said. He said, I just taught my kids about taxes by eating 38% of their ice cream. I love that. You know? <laughs> we got to be real with our kids sometimes. 
So please give them the gift of failure. It really is okay for our kids to fail because it's going to help them propel forward to grow. So if we don't let them fail, then they won't succeed at what matters most. So let's take a look at verse 2 here. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. So an entire generation of godly people will be blessed by what? By fulfilling our calling of really bringing heaven to earth, by really being about kingdom business, doing those things in which we were created for, and that is for the glory of God. That's really our first duty, guys. Last couple weeks, we've considered being salt and being light to this world. That's why we're here, guys. We are the temple, the church of the Holy Spirit. God should be able to look at us as his disciples, or the world should look at us as disciples and know that God's legit, that he's there. Look at these people. That's why we're here, guys. So let's define success for a moment. Uh, the definition that we get from our society and our culture is make sure that you have well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. That sounds good, but is it right? Is it best? Is it biblical? Well-rounded. Well, what about our kids excelling in one or two things that God has gifted them in, calling them to? Well-educated. I think education is important. I think it's great. But no matter how degreed our children are, if they're not following, cherishing Jesus, that's the only thing I care about. It's the thing that I think believers should care about. Jesus. I want my kids to know him, to have eternal life. Every time Sonny got pregnant, joy. Yeah, baby. Our first prayer together in rejoicing. But Lord, if this child would reject you, if they would grow up and be hard towards you, please take them now. Just take the baby now. Okay? That's what life is all about, guys, is to know him, to love him. So what's the point? Well, Matthew 16, 26 says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? We want to give our kids the world. But is it worth it if they lose their soul? Jesus said, is anything worth more than your soul? Is there anything worth more? Let's be fair. Let's be logical. Let's think this through. This is the most important thing. Well, how about happy kids? I've heard it said, Happy wife, happy life. Have you guys heard that one? Yeah. Well, there's more of a truth when she started having kids, right? <laughs> happy kids, okay? Man, you're going to have a happy house, okay? You have that peace. It's, it's hard, but our kids, they have emotions. They have feelings with us. They haven't learned how to deal with all those things yet. And we think that, hey, all we need to do today is just make sure they're happy. Keep them happy. Get them through the day. Keep them happy, right? So we have a culture today that has been alluring parents to bow down and to worship at the altar of happy children. So remember what the scriptures say, right? Be happy for I am happy. No. What does it say, guys? Be holy for I am holy. 
See, many persons have a wrong idea of what constitutes true happiness. It's not attained through self-gratification, but through fidelity to worthy purpose. See, life is more than a balance sheet between the positive and negative feelings. You see in verse 2, guys, a happy life without meaning, it's not going to last. That's what God is saying here. There's a purpose. There's a meaning to our lives. So I want us to distinguish this morning between lives of high unhappiness and lives that are full of meaning. You know, a wedding, okay, can bring happiness. But (laughs) it's really supposed to point to lives that are full of meaning. Why does God have a man and a woman to become husband and wife to become complete whole to what glorify God that's what it's about it's for his glory I want you guys to think of Martin Luther King Jr. um, Nelson Mandela uh, Gandhi when they were prisoners probably um, to the best extreme for them they were uncomfortable and at worst probably went through some profound physical and psychological pain. We know that researchers would certainly not find their lives happy, but their balance of positive to negative emotions would probably weigh heavy into the negative. See, their satisfaction with life was probably nil being in prison. But great people make it clear, however unpleasant their lives might be given at a moment, their beliefs about their respective situations inspire their lives with profound meaning. So I don't want you guys to get me wrong here. God is into happiness. Do you guys know that? Okay. He started this whole psalm with what? The letter A in the Hebrew, the Aleph. Okay. Uh, which the, the Escher here, the highly forced, the fortunate, there's divine grace, there's blessings that come in this. And yes, we live in a country where our constitution calls for life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. Okay, those are an inalienable right. But is it a right? Okay, um, is it a right, but should happiness really be the goal of our life? I think... We need to distinguish before that. That may be a right, but is it our goal? Is this what we're living for? I think pursuing Jesus should be our goal. Amen? Then, as a byproduct of pursuing Jesus, is a life that is full of, we see it here, joy, delight, success. That's what God has laid out in here. But that comes from what? Fearing the Lord looking to him, pursuing him, his ways. Um, I like how uh, Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church, expounded verse 2 here. He said, We are called to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. I like that. That's what we are called to as parents. So we are called to unleash. So not to coddle, not hyper-protect, Christ-centered, so Christ above everything else, biblically anchored. Okay, do we want to see our kids getting swayed? No. Okay, to be anchored in Christ, world changers. So not just consumers. It's all about me. Take, take, take. But producers, motivators, transformers. Okay, don't you want to see your kids do great exploits for the glory of God? 
Absolutely. That's why I'm excited. I'm excited our children are downstairs doing what? Learning the scriptures. Knowing truth. They're getting grounded. Okay? Very important. So, if you see this, that God has equipped his children with supernatural gifts, which are specifically chosen for this moment in history. I think that's very unique. You guys ever wonder why you're born now? Why now in history? Why did I have this child and not that child? <laughs> why? Well, I think there is a point that God has given us, you know, specific callings, purposes. He's chosen this moment for us in order to best glorify him. So this might all sound too difficult, you know, or maybe you're thinking this is great for you, preacher man. I'm just trying to get by in life. I want you to know that I can appreciate the difficulties that we're dealing with. There is life. We all go through things. But I think this might be easier than what we think. Okay? Do you guys think that God's commandments are burdensome? Do you think his ways are better than ours? Okay? I don't think he's going to enable. He's going to give us what's needed. So, what you expose your children to helps determine what they will become. You see, they will be exposed to wrong influences naturally. Do you guys understand that? We live in a fallen world. They're living in this world. So we need not to expose them um, <laughs> to those things. Okay, They're going to have the peer pressures. Our culture is overly sexualized as it is. So what we need to expose them to is right influences. Proverbs 13.20, you can jot it down. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you get in trouble. How many of you guys got in trouble just hanging around the wrong people? <laughs> right? It's so simple, but this is what God told us. So parents, you, you know you can't force your children to love God. You can't force them to believe. They'll only become rebellious teens. But you can expose them to people and things that would increase their likelihood of falling in love with Jesus. And that happens really by exposing them to three things. The first one I want you guys to jot down is expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Expose them to knowing God. There's a joy in knowing Him. Show them that it is personal. Children today are not rejecting Christ. They're rejecting dead, empty religion. That's what's going on. We want to expose them to a living relationship with the living God who is love. We want to expose them not just to rules, but really to that relationship that God wants with all people. So how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I think it's pretty easy. Just point every blessing in your life back to God. Hey, look at the goodness of God. Look at the blessings in our lives. Look what God's done for me. Look what he's done for our family. And don't do it in a weird way. Okay, it doesn't have to be all syrupy. Just simply, hey, look at our house. Look at the food. Look at, we're blessed with finances that we get to do a vacation this year. God is good. It can be that simple, guys. Connect the good things in life with the God of life. Let them see that. 
I think we can see those things, but we can't assume that our children are making that same connection. Because we're told in first, or James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above, okay? And it comes down from the Father. So it's not telling or making our children read their Bibles, but it's really modeling it to them that they want to do it. Hey, why is dad, why are mom, why do they always, we went to church on Sunday. Why are they reading the Bible during the rest of the week? What's up with that? Okay. They, they should just see that. That should just be a part of our lives. So this generation, if you don't have it, okay, they're not going to want it. If it's not important to you, it's not going to be important to them. In this next generation, I think they're really better than us at this category. They can smell a fake. They're, fa- they're like fake detectors. They know what's going on. So expose them to the joy of knowing God. Okay? Just expose them to it. Let them see that. The second thing I want us to be able to really let our kids see, to expose them to, is to really the presence in the power of God in his church. Okay, this is what he has ordained. It's what he's set up. And again, this is easy. We are here. We are the church that exists for who? It's really for the world. Okay? (laughs) There's a prayer of mine that we at Freedom Fellowship, that we would be a blessing, that we would be a light, that we'd be able to connect with the community. What we're doing, this is great. Okay? But it's not just for us. We are, again, the salt and light of the world. So um, we, we value the participation in the local church. Not that I'm looking for a church to meet my needs. Okay, That's just selfish. Bottom line. Church life can be your kid's identity. It can be a community, extended family, friendships, Church life also teaches our children how to deal with real-life problems. Where are they going to learn how to do life in a God-glorifying, healthy, truthful way? I'm not seeing it from the world. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see our kids are getting really twisted. Their thinking's really backwards. I see a lot of young people very confused, very depressed. Suicide is on the rise like crazy among teens. Why don't Young people even want to live anymore. What's going on? They need the truth, okay, the gospel. So in that, guys, we have that opportunity to teach our children how to deal with real problems. Our kids, they're growing up in the church here. And we do have to work through with them the realities of friends that have moral failures, broken relationships, some that hurt us, some that we have hurt. So dear friends, we'd get close, or sorry, dear friends that we'd get close to and then never see again. There's friends, there's enemies in life, there's victories, there's failures. We talk with them about sin. What does repentance then look like? What does forgiveness then look like? Do you guys say those are pretty big things in this life? Yeah, when it kind of boils down, and we're at the end of life, those are the things that matter the most. How did I navigate, work through those things? You see, church life is so important. I encourage you guys to be on time. Come for all of worship. 
okay? Talk with your kids, with your family about what you have learned at church. Do you overrule church for other things, but never overrule other things for church? Can I say that again? Do you ever overrule church for other things, but never overrule church for other things, or sorry, overrule other things for church? I think we need to be very careful. You're sending a message to your children. So in church life, we can serve one another. We can help raise one another's children. We can uh, together really touch our community. and We really could impact the world for Jesus Christ. That's exciting to me. And I think it's pretty simple. You guys are seeing this? Okay. God hasn't complicated it. I know there are a zillion books out there on parenting, how to do this or that. And I think the word of God, as profound as it is, is very simple, very straightforward. This is truth. This connects with my heart as a father. I'm like, yeah, this is just what you're saying. This is what's needed. So, the third thing, and this is the last point that I'd like to make this morning, is we need to expose them to the thrill of being used by God. Okay? How many of you guys would agree with me? It is a thrill. It is a joy. It is a high <laughs> to be used by God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Young adults, youth, okay? Um, I want to speak to you guys for a second. It's not that God wants to use you guys in the future. Okay? If you are in Christ, he wants to use you now. Do you understand that no one despises your youth? We're not going through this hoping to equip the next generation, okay? You're not the church of tomorrow. If you're part of the body of Christ, you're part of the body of Christ today. God is giving you gifts, and there are blessings that come in serving the Lord. That's why on a monthly basis, we try to do with our Rise Youth Group service projects. Hey, let's actually go and do something to bless others, to love others, to serve others. How does that look? It needs to be taught, okay? Um, and if it's not being done practically, I don't think our kids are ever going to catch it. Um, and I think this generation wants to make a difference in the world. Okay, we see a lot of craziness going on. We hear a lot of ignorance coming from them. But I actually appreciate that the younger generation is wanting to speak up and actually try to do something. I just think it's sometimes misguided because it's coming from a worldly understanding. Okay. They don't see the big picture, and they can't without Christ. So dads, uh, moms, don't make your children serve. Simply expose them to how awesome serving is. Okay, I have some parents that send their kids down to the pantry to help out. I think that's great. Great opportunity to serve, but I wish mom and dad would actually come down with them. <laughs> Experience it together. Exemplify that. Okay, because if we're not doing that, if we're not loving our neighbors, if we're not serving the poor, if we're not doing it, how can we expect our children to do it? So dads, uh, just expose them to it. Okay, the joy of knowing God personally, the power and the presence of God in the church, and the thrill of being used by God. So dads, don't listen to you can't, won't, never will be. Okay, God cares about you. God cares about parents. 
That's just his heart. And he cares about the generation to come. That's why he speaks about this stuff so often in Scripture. I mean, here's a psalm of praise. And what is it speaking to? Parenting. I love that. So, dads, it's simple. You want them to see the Father in God? Let them see the God in their Father. Just let them see God in you. So all our actions, they do speak louder than words, but some things echo into the next generation. And maybe the greatest contribution that you can make to the world is not who you are, but who you raise. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. You know, there's a handful of you guys who are not married or you haven't had children of your own. But I think the truth of this psalm and the truth of the Great Commission, we're called to make disciples. One thing I love about Paul's writing is he speaks to them as children. These people that he's led to the Lord have mentored, have discipled. I believe we're all called to that, no matter how old we are. I think that can be modeled in a neat way in the home. (laughs) But maybe you're here and you don't have a parent that believes. That's when you really search out. You get into fellowship. You go to older brothers and sisters in the Lord that you respect their walk with Jesus And you have to spend time with them, to pray with them, ask them questions, get in the scriptures together with them. God's made it really simple. And there are so many blessings. There is such a joy when we just do it his way. And I really do believe that he is the hope. I want to see the world changed. Okay, I'm looking at young Lizzie here. She's got a peace sign on her shirt. You know, how many of you guys would love to see peace in the world? You know, and that's not going to happen until the Prince of Peace comes or until everybody humbles themselves (laughs) before the living God and starts doing it his way. So with that, I would like to pray for us all this morning. Father, we are grateful that you haven't given up. I think about the reality that we're even able to gather here together this morning. It's because there was a generation before us that loved you, that believed your word, that lived your word, And we got to see, Father, many of them shared with us. And we came to faith. And there were generations before them. And we thank you for that. And we just want to be faithful. That's the one thing you've asked of stewards. That they would be found faithful. So I pray, God, if we have children of our own, that we would take just the reality of discipleship seriously in our homes. God, that we wouldn't just give lip service to what we believe, but they would be able to see that our genuine love and real faith that we have in you, God. They don't have to question. You are so good. And there's such a joy of just doing life with you that we want our kids to know. Father, and there's a whole world out there, so many people who are looking for fulfillment, looking for answers they've been lied to, And you've given us the hope of the gospel, the hope of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, Lord. 
We just continue to pray that you'd use us as salt and light. Lord, give us opportunities, Lord. Help us. I think it's great when people seek out to be discipled, but you've told us to go make disciples. Help us (laughs) to seek out those that need to know you. Lord, to grow in your word and the grace and the knowledge of who you are, Jesus. So again, we're thankful that you are a good, good father, that you are a great example to us. We just pray, Father, that you would just work in our lives. God, help us grab a hold of the truths of your word, to stand in these truths, to live out these truths for your glory, God. We thank you that you have given so much. We thank you for truth this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen.